Hey, if you would, would you turn with me to Hebrews chapter 2, and we're going to look at 17, 18, 16, 17, and 18 in, in Hebrews. And they're going to bring it up on the board. They're going to bring it up here. And uh, this is just something that's on my heart. Because most people, most people that go to nominal churches don't know much about Jesus. Don't, don't know much about Jesus in the fact that Jesus was actually a man. And he wasn't, he wasn't half God and half man. He was fully man and fully God. Does everybody understand that? Now I'm going to say it again. He was fully man and fully God. Okay? And being that he was fully man meant that he was just like you. And he's just like me. He had to eat. He, listen, Jesus had to go to the bathroom. He, there, Jesus was just like you and I. And he was tempted in every way that a man could be tempted. And yet he came out perfect. Because he did not sin. There was no sin in him. And so it's an amazing thing of what God, God can do. Now he's going to bring up these scriptures and I'm going to read them. And I, I like these scriptures here. For assuredly, he does not give help to angels, but he gives help to those, to the descendants of Abraham. Verse 17. Therefore, he had to be made like his brethren in all things. Everybody see that? So that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. Verse 18. For since he himself was tempted in that which he has suffered, he is able to come to the aid of those who are tempted. That's scripture. Now, I'm going to just kind of talk about Jesus for a minute, and then, I, and then I'm going to get into this sermon. But Jesus, Father, just bless me today in the fact that I'm able to speak for you. Holy Spirit, use me as a vessel today. I'm earth. I know that. So I, sp I pray, Father, you just speak to me so that I can get this congregation to understand who you are in Jesus' name. Jesus comes to this earth as a baby. And when he comes to this earth as a baby, he comes through legal entry. If he had to come to earth any other way, he could not have participated in anything that we do. He couldn't have. So he came as a baby, born of a woman, fathered by the Holy Spirit. So when Jesus comes into this world, he comes into this world as a baby, just like you did and just like your children have come. No different at all. Now there was one difference with Jesus that is not with us. That his father was God. And so there is in his blood, a pure blood that did not come from Adam. For when Adam sinned, we all fell. When Adam sinned in the garden, do you notice I don't say Eve? When Adam sinned in the garden, then the, the authority that God had given to Adam, and the authority was great. The authority was this. 
It was the you get to name everything in this garden. And everything in this garden is yours. He says to Adam, he said, Adam, there's one thing I don't want you to do. I don't want you to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For in the day that you eat thereof, you shall surely die. Now, the word surely in Hebrew means die. So in the day that you eat thereof, you're going to die, die. You're going to die in the spirit, and then you're going to die in the natural. So you can't eat that. But of everything else, you can. Then he says this to Adam. He said, Adam, what I want you to do is cultivate and keep this garden. Cultivate means bring a produce from the garden, but keep it meant guard it. Now, he didn't have to guard the animals. He didn't have to guard the ground. I have that hair. That thing was in my mouth when I was singing the other day. The mustache is coming off. There it is, right there. See that hair? Okay. Isn't that amazing? I was singing the other day in the radio program, and a, and a hair got on my tongue. One got on my tongue, and one got between my teeth. So I, I stopped to, to take the hair off my tongue, and Lonnie just stopped. Everything just stopped. Nancy started laughing right in the middle of the radio program. Well, what's wrong? I said, I got a hair on my tongue. It was right there. But there it is again. So here we go. Let's go back to Adam. And so he says, I want you to keep this garden. And listen, so he didn't have to guard the animals, nor the earth itself. He had to guard his wife. Hello, men, get a hold of this. He had to guard his wife. And he did not guard his wife. And therefore, when he, the, the sin came, the sin didn't lie at Eve's feet. It laid right there at Adam's feet because he didn't do what God said not to do. God said, number one, don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And he said, because listen, good and evil is not what God give us. He give us authority to be great. And something that the church has lost is that we have lost the authority in the name of Jesus to be great. And what the world needs is to see a church great in the sight of God so that God's voice can go forth. And give me an amen on that. So this is what he does. So, so he trades in his authority for good and evil. Sometimes we do that ourselves. Can you say amen to that? So, so what happens is, is that he falls. And when he falls, here's what he gives to Satan. He takes the authority that God has given to mankind and he has placed it right in the hands of the enemy. Right there. And so every person born from that day forward now needs a savior. From that day forward needs to be redeemed. Adam, Eve, and everyone needs to be redeemed by the blood of the lamb. So what happens is Jesus comes. Now listen to me, if you can get a hold of this, Jesus was the, 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 the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. Jesus died before the foundation of the world. Now listen, he died at Calvary. I know where he died when he, when he died as a man, but he died before the foundation of the world was ever created. The plan of God for our life was made before the world ever began. Somebody, did you know that? If you knew that, say amen. 
So it happened in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 4. And he chose us in him to be blameless and holy before the foundation of the world. That's an amazing thing. So what happens is Adam loses all. And when Adam loses it all, Jesus is going to take it back. Now how does he take it back? He comes as a babe born in Bethlehem from a virgin. And her name was Mary. His father being the Holy Spirit. Now understand something. The blood in Jesus' veins was not the same blood in, that is in your veins. Because the blood that was in Jesus' uh, veins was pure, it was holy, and it was undefiled. Now, people don't get this, but listen, before Jesus went to the cross and took upon himself the sin of mankind, he couldn't die. And he couldn't die because his bloodline was pure. He could not die. He's going to die after he takes upon himself the sins of mankind. So what happens is Jesus comes to this world and he walks and he talks and he lives just like you do. Just like I do. And what's so amazing to me, here's this man in the Old Testament, because Jesus was an Old Testament man, he is the covenant to bring Usher in the New Testament, but he was born in the Old Testament, okay? And it is amazing to me, here is this man born of God that is looking at the sick and say, your sins be forgiven you, take up your bed and walk. Pharisees reasoned among themselves and said, who is this man who can forgive sin? And Jesus says, what does it mean if I say, take thy sins, be forgiven thee, or be healed? He said, it's all the same. If you got faith to be saved, you have the same faith to be healed. Praise the name of the Lord. You have the same faith to operate in, in the Holy Spirit exactly the way Jesus Christ himself did. And isn't it amazing that Jesus healing the sick, casting out devils, isn't it amazing that he's feeding people? And, and all of these people say, amen. But all of these people are going to come at the end and say, crucify him, crucify him. Isn't that totally amazing? And yet when he's done all this good and he's placed it on this earth, he's going to come to the end and they're going to say, crucify him. And guess what he's going to do? He's going to go to the cross and he says, Father, forgive them. Isn't that amazing? Forgive them. For they do not understand what they're doing. Stephen says the same thing. Stephen, being filled with the Holy Spirit, looks steadfast into heaven, sees Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And as he's giving up his life, it's an interesting thing. He says, Father, forgive them. Don't hold this to their account. Isn't this amazing that Moses takes a hold of the horns of the altar and says, Blot my name out of your book, but spare these people. When we get to the place where we have such a desire to see people saved, everything in the church changes. When we have a desire to see people healed, everything in the church changes. When we have a desire to see people delivered, everything in the church changes. And when we see Jesus walking on this earth as a man just like us, filled with the Holy Spirit just like us, and he doing what he did, it's an amazing thing that we don't follow after him. And we get taught. Not to. We're taught not to raise hands in the church. We're taught that we can go cheer on the Kansas City Chiefs. We can cheer on, uh, uh, we can cheer on our favorite basketball team. We can do that. We can shout. We can yell. We can laugh. But we cannot raise holy hands in the holy church. It is. It's an amazing thing how we stop these things. Now, I'm going to go into this. Now, in, in, 
in, in uh, Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 16, he's talking about the angels. And listen to what he says. For assuredly, he does not give help to angels, but he gives help to the descendants of Abraham. Listen to me. You're a descendant of Abraham. I'm a descendant of Abraham. I'm going to show you this. If you're saved and born again, raise your right hand. Okay. Look at your hand. You are testifying that you're saved and born again by raising your right hand. Now listen, the angels have already been taken care of. They are created, but they are not human beings. I am walking, I am walking to my tool shed to get a tool for Tony. And those guys were helping me yesterday. And as I'm walking up that lane towards my tool shed, me and God's having this conversation. Just right out of the blue, him and I have a conversation. I'm not too much thinking about the Lord. He knows that. And and I'm not too much. I'm not spiritual at that time. Okay, I didn't feel like healing anybody. I can't anyway. But, you know, I'm walking. And the Lord started talking to me. Boom. I said, okay. And I I say, "I, I admit it, yes. Yeah, okay, I, yeah. And, and so I said, I said, well, Lord, why do you put up with me? He said, because I love you. And I said, well, then why do I keep making these errors? He said, because you're a human being. Whoa, a light went off. And so I'm, well, yeah, I'm a human being. He said, you need me. And I, and, and I was telling Pastor Don that conversation. You know, you, the angels don't talk to him like that. See, the angels, they, they're, they're, they're ministry of fire. In the first chapter, he talks about the angels. He said, they're my minister of fire. Man, they have ministry. But you know what their ministry is? Working for you. Working for me. Now, don't get into angel worship because that's, don't do that. That's against everything God stands for. And some of the Pentecostal churches right now are getting into angel worship. Wrong, wrong, wrong. It's called asceticism. Don't do that, Okay. But God commissions angels on your part. You know, I, I used to be afraid to fly, and my wife, she, she'd laugh at me. You know, and we, get, we got in there, oh, I can remember it as if it was yesterday. We're flying. I'm not feeling good about it, and I swear to you. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay, I won't do that. But I'm telling you, that airplane dropped 500 feet. Boom! Scared me half to death. She's smiling, looking over at me, smiling. Like it didn't bother her. I knew it did. She's, she's looking, I knew it bothered her. You remember that? I, I knew it bothered her. But she's acting like it didn't. So I'm riding along. Boom, it did again. I was about done. But hey, so I, I said to the Lord, I said, Lord, why do I have fear of flying? He said, because you don't trust me. And, and I said, well, Lord, I, I want to trust you. He said, then pray. Okay, what do you want me to pray? Say, commission your angels. So I mean, I said, I can pray to you. He said, you pray to me, I'll commission the angels. And he said, you pray, and I'll put angels all the way around that airplane. I said, really? He said, yeah. So I pray, and he put angels all the way around that airplane. I felt so good about that. I never had no fear. Okay, so now I'm going to, I'm, I'm going out of the country, and I got, I think, Four preachers with me. And we're in a terrible storm. And, the, and this thing, and so, so he, he, he's, he's, 
coming down on the air, the, the tar, or, or the, wherever. What is it? Landing strip, thank you. And, and, and all of a sudden, he goes, whoo, straight up in the air. I knew he'd missed the landing strip. And then preachers, I, I looked at them. Oh, oh, oh. They was going to die. Oh. One little old woman spoke Spanish, didn't even speak English. She, she was crying, so I stuck my hand in between the seats just lay. She grabbed a hold of my arm, about yanked my arm off. And all the way through that, man, I'm, she's got me up against that seat. So he says, we're going to try it again. We're going to try landing in. He said, we have a little window. We're going to try again. And these preachers go, oh, oh, oh. And, and, and I'm looking at this and I'm thinking, whoa, seriously. Because I'm not afraid. Because I knew God had his angels commissioned around us, right? We landed safely. I'm here. And all those preachers, I knew God was in control. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. See, here, here's the thing about angels. They're ministers of fire, and they are available for you when you call on the name of the Lord. Somebody say amen to that. So because of what the Lord has done when he came as God in the flesh and he came as man, he established a pattern for you and I to follow that pattern. And if we will follow that pattern, it will always bring us to victory and it will strengthen our faith. Everybody understand that, right? Listen to me. He said, do not worship angels, but he said, man is higher than the angels. The angels created, they don't need redemption. Angels are used to minister to help men. But don't find yourself worshiping angels because this is what the 16th chapter says. It says this, that we are the descendants of Abraham. Watch this, look at this. For assuredly, he does not give help to angels, but he gives help to the descendants of Abraham. Well, how do I know that? In, in Galatians, he's going to put it up. I want him to put up Galatians chapter 3, verse 16. Now watch this. Now the promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. He does not say, and to seeds, as referring to many, but rather to one, and to your seed, that is Christ. He's talking about when Abraham spoke the gospel, he's talking about the descendants. God was talking about the seed that was going to be planted, and the seed is Christ Jesus. And then you say, well, what's that got to do with me? Listen, what it's got to do with me is that I am the holy tabernacle of the Lord Jesus Christ who abides in me through his Holy Spirit. So that makes me the descendant of Abraham. That makes you the descendant of Abraham. Here's what you need to do. You need to go back into the Old Testament and read all the promises that was given to Abraham because those promises also refer to you. It refers to me. And so we look at that and he said that we are of Abraham. And your seed. If Christ was an angel, he would have never been able to redeem man. Do you understand that? So what do we look at? When Christ comes, if Christ comes as an angel, he comes in as the, the, the devil's equal. 
He does. Because the devil's an angel, fallen angel, but he's an angel. So if he came in as an angel, he would be his equal. And if he came in as deity, which he could have, then he comes in as superior. But he didn't. He came in as man, inferior. Isn't that amazing? He, came, he didn't come as an angel. He didn't come as deity. He came as a man, inferior to the devil. And guess what he does? How does he have power over the devil? Because he's filled with the Holy Spirit. And he uses the word of God. And when the devil tempts him in the wilderness, what does he do? He said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. He goes and he, he, he quotes scripture. Let me tell you what the devil can't handle. He can't handle scripture. He don't like you knowing scripture. He doesn't like me knowing scripture. Do you understand? When you don't read the word of God, when you don't study the word of God, he loves that. He loves you calling yourself a Christian but not knowing anything about him. He loves that. But listen to what Jesus did. Jesus comes, and when he comes, listen, he, he's just walking along, and, and John the Baptist, and, and people say, well, how did John the Baptist know? Because the Lord had told him previously, he said, when you baptize this one, the heavens are going to open up, and the, and, and the Holy Spirit's going to descend on him. And understand what Jesus comes. And, and another interesting thing about John, John's six months older than Jesus, but he refers to Jesus being older, older than him or older than the foundation of the world. And he also refers to Jesus as whom he said, I'm not even worthy to bend over and tie his shoe. He's talking about Jesus. It's Jesus when he looks Jesus coming, he said, behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. It's an amazing thing. And so John the Baptist baptizes Jesus exactly the way you're baptized. And when he goes down in the water, listen to what Jesus does. When Jesus, 33 years old, 30 years old, when he goes down in the water, what he does, he receives the cross. That's his burial. He receives the cross. And he's going to die for mankind right out of the gate, right out. When he starts his ministry, he is baptized. And when he's baptized into the Jordan River, he, 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 he takes the cross and he brings it upon himself and he dies right there. And when he comes up out of that water, he comes up in the newness of life, in the newness of ministry as a new person in God. And God opens up the heavens and listen to what he says. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. It's amazing. And why? Because Jesus assumed the cross as soon as he went into the water. He assumes the cross. That's amazing. And Jesus is in the garden of Gethsemane and he's praying. And he's praying with such anxiety that he's starting to bleed out. And the whole route and God doesn't say a word to him. God, God is silent in, in, in the garden. And if ever Jesus need to hear from the Lord, it was in that garden. If you're in that garden, that's when you want to hear from God. And he's praying and no one can pray with him. Disciples fall asleep and there he is by himself. Let me show you his anointing. When they come to him and for all of you that don't believe in being slain in the spirit. And they said, who are you? He said, I'm Jesus. And boom, every one of them fell flat. They just fell over, every one of them. The Holy Spirit comes in here. It's going to come against every part of your religion, every part of your doctrine. When the Holy Spirit comes in here, you'll do things you never thought you'd ever do. But I'll tell you one thing. The Holy Spirit comes in here like he did then. You'll be on your face. You'll be on your face. 
And, and so we have Jesus, and he's in the garden, but God doesn't answer him. Did you ever just not answer your kids because you done told them too many times? When I'm in that room right there and I'm teaching, and my, one of my kids asks me a question, I just look at him. They already know the answer. The Lord, the Father, and the Son spoke about it before the world existed. They, Jesus, listen to me, listen to me. There was no words that's going to describe how Jesus felt in that garden. And you are never going to get to that point. But if you get to that point, God has provided a way of escape. The Bible says he has. Well, why didn't God say anything? Because it had been decided before the foundation of the world. Then why did he pray? Because he was a human being, people, and human beings pray. Do you understand that? Human beings prayed. He was a human being. He was filled with the Spirit of God, but he was a human being. Now listen to verse 17. Therefore he had to be made like his brethren. What? In all things. Hey, hey, John, would you put number 17 up? Can you do that? So we can just kind of take a look at it. Well, look. Therefore, he had to be made like his brethren. What? Say it. What? All things. So that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make propitiation. Everybody say propitiation. For the sins of the people. The word propitiation means atonement. But it means more than atonement. It means that you get all the benefits of the sozo. Okay? And the sozo is this. When, you got, when the Lord give you life in Jesus Christ, here's what he did. The first thing he did was redeem you. Everybody say amen. The second thing he did was heal you. Everybody say amen. The third thing that he did was uh, deliver you. Say amen. And the fourth thing that he did, he will resurrect you, but in the spirit, he has already resurrected you. So let me tell you what propitiation is. It's redemption, it's healing, it's deliverance, and it is resurrection. And we get all four of those benefits because he came as a man like us in all things so that he could save us, but also so that we could be like him. We really have to understand that God wants us to be made into his image and be conformed into his image and start to act like his son. Listen, he's not going to tell you that you can't have a good time. You don't think that God laughs when he sees the silliness of this world? You don't think God laughs at liberals? God laughs at liberals. Yeah, he laughs at liberals. But he laughs at all these prophets too that say, thus saith the Lord, and that don't come about either. God laughs. He might laugh at you a time or two. Oh, not me. Yeah, huh? He will. I can prove it. No, I won't. Okay, I'm not going to prove it. Okay, so let let me show you something here. God made important promises to Abraham and his descendants. Is that right? So he made them to you too. God did not carry out completely his promises to Abraham because he's going to give them completely through you. Now, I want John, if he will, to bring up Galatians 3.29. I'm going to show you this. This is good. Galatians 3.29. 
And if you belong to Christ, and you do because you raised up your right hand, not your left, you raised up your right hand and said, I belong to Christ. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's descendants, heirs according to the promise. So you are going to get everything that God had promised Abraham. You say, that's not right. Yes, it is right. Now he's going to ver bring up verse 18. Bring up verse 18. And I'll get none here real quick. I know you're all going to be disappointed. For since he himself was tempted in that which he has suffered, he is able to come to the aid of those who are tempted. Interesting. You're not going to go through anything. You're not going to go through nothing that Jesus Christ hasn't already been through. And he's going to provide for you a way of escape. Hey, John, put up 1 Corinthians chapter, uh, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. Watch this. No temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. What? Are you serious? You don't know what I'm going through, Lord. Leave it up there. You don't know what I'm going through. Let's do it again. No temptation is overtaking you, but such is common to man. And God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will provide the way of escape also, so that you will be able to endure it. God's made a way. How do you make that way? He made it through the cross. You see, here, here's the deal. The Lord's going to come to your aid. He'll come to my aid. When I'm tempted, he'll come to my aid. Christ knows our trouble. He knows our temptations. And by the way, he's, he knows our persecution and the persecution that's coming to the church in the United States of America. Christ hears our prayers. Christ works powerfully through the Holy Spirit for us and on our account. During the trial that Jesus went through at Gethsemane and Calvary and the crucifixion, Christ trusted God. Christ always trusted, and he trusted God completely. So he's on the cross. It's amazing. Hey, John, can you just pick me up one real quick? Okay, how about picking me up uh, John uh, 19.30? Yeah, John 19.30. I'm going to read the scripture to you because it's what Jesus did. It's the last thing that Jesus did at the cross. And it's, it's, he, he's, he's looking it up. But in John 19.30, he says something. He said, it is finished. And then he bowed his head and he died. Look at this. And when Jesus, therefore, had received the vinegar, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. He finished you. And he finished me. The word finished there means perfect, perfected. But it, it's not a perfection like we know. When, when, when God talks about perfection, he's talking about holy perfection that he has done. But when Jesus says it is finished, listen to what he, listen to what he did. And you've got to get a hold of this because it's amazing. He said, I finished it through my human weakness. I finished it through my human weakness. Wow. Because there's something that Jesus did not forget while he was on earth. That he was under the authority of the Father. That's why the centurion went to him. He said, look, I understand you're under authority. 
Under the authority of God, I too am one that's under authority. When you start to realize what Jesus did for you and for me, then everything in our life changes. Everybody understand that? So when he goes to the cross, he says something. He says, it's been, it's finished. Can't do no more, it's finished. And what was that? He made me perfect. He finished me. Now, don't talk to my wife about me being made perfect because she's going to give you a whole different rendition of who I am. But he made me perfect. And how did he make me perfect? This is what he did. He took my sins to the cross and he nailed them there. And he took my robe of humanity and he nailed it to the cross. And then he went into the center part of the earth and there he destroyed death hell, and the grave. And he not only took those who were captive in paradise out and took them to heaven, but when he did, he took you out. If you raised your hand and said, I'm saved by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, he took you out. And when he took you out, he finished you. And what did he finish? He finished a perfect work for us to be him. In this earth. And everywhere that you go today, wherever you go, you go to a restaurant, the kingdom of God's going into a restaurant. You go into the hospital to pray for somebody, the kingdom of God is going in the hospital. I do not have to say a word. The kingdom of God is within me. And I like what Doc Shell said. He said, Everywhere you go, he said, The kingdom of God goes. And he said, just because you are there, they have to face the kingdom of God. Sickness has to face the kingdom of God. Sin has to face the kingdom of God. It's an amazing thing. Would you stand with us today? Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. It's really important about what... Uh, you want to take that for me? I appreciate it. It's really important what Paul tells the Romans. And here's what he tells the Romans. He said, if you will confess, and I say this a lot, if you will confess with your mouth Jesus Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Paul says to the Corinthians, though, he says this, he says, when you repent, you need to repent with godly sorrow. Godly sorrow is a broken heart. But you need to do that. Listen, your relationship with Jesus might not be where it needs to be. You can make that right today. And I, I'm telling you, I, I don't care if, if the president was here. I'll still pray for the sick. I'll still pray for the sick. I, I don't care if, if the president was here. A, a demon spirit manifests itself, itself in front of me. I'm going to cast it out in the name of Jesus. I'm doing. Listen, Paul says in Romans 1.16, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation to the Jew first and also to the Greek. I'm not, a, I'm not, a, I'm not ashamed. One day, I, one day they might come in and they might seize everything that we have. They ain't going to get a lot, but they might seize it all. They can have it. But we're not recanting on our testimony. Listen to me. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, 
today and forever. And if he could, he still can. Mitch, Mitch Woodson taught me this. If he could, he still can. If he did, he still does. And if he would, he still will. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. He will meet any need that you have this morning. If you're sick, I want you to come this morning. You need the Lord as your personal Savior this morning. I want you to come. 